From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Oh yeah, and we are rocking it for another weekly edition of the Automotive ADHD Podcast. Matt West here, hanging out with you. Beautiful weather here in Colorado right now. It's December, (laughs) and it's 60 degrees, and I don't really know what to do with myself because it's 60 degrees in December. We don't have that very often here, Uh, but uh, no, I did do some really cool stuff actually with that weather, but before I get into that, some of the things we're going to be talking about today is how Toyota is uh, is going by the way of Netflix. Yeah, they're doing subscription services. And this is really stupid, but I'm going to talk about that. Also, there is now a V8 Tesla. In fact, there are a few of them. I'm going to talk about how that works, why that's cool. I mean, it's obviously cool. It's a V8. It's a Tesla. Uh, And then also going to be touching base on some more of the uh, infrastructure bill. Uh, that I've, I've talked about in the past. There's some new updates on that. Want to talk about those. Lots of good things going on. And uh, But before I get into that, ladies, gentlemen, Subaru SVXs, uh, the first thing I want to hit on is I actually followed my own advice. Yeah, can you can you believe that? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't give you advice unless it's something that I've, I've done before. And, uh, you know, last week I recommended as a solution to, uh, you know, as a solution to the failing driver's ed system in the U.S., track days. Yeah, racetrack days. Because, look, the driver's ed system clearly isn't teaching people how to drive cars. They're teaching you how to read road signs. They don't teach you how to drive cars. So, um, and I said, you know what, the best way to do that, you know, the best way to learn that is track days. And they don't have to be expensive. I mean, you know, autocross events, SCC autocross events are like 40 bucks. And uh, so, I, yeah, I took my own advice. I went out and I ran an autocross. I've run them in the past before, but it's been years since I've done an autocross. I've done a lot of other racing in different sanctioning bodies, a lot of just uh, open lapping track day things. So there's all sorts of flavors of track day, but autocross Good stuff. Ran it out at PPIR, uh, Pikes Peak International Raceway here in, in near Colorado Springs. And uh, on top of that, the weather again, December, 60 degrees. Oh, my God. This doesn't happen in Colorado. That's why I'm so excited about it, because, yeah, we don't get that very often. Uh, and uh, I will say that the track day, it went well. I ran it in my uh Old crusty A86, uh, which is now lighter thanks to rust. Uh, you know, as the saying goes, in God we trust. In Toyotas, we rust. Yeah, old Toyotas are known for the rust. But hey, you know what? The car held up great. It ran well. And uh, I was not, I won't say I was first in my class because that wouldn't be true. And I'm, I'm not the fastest driver out there, but I wasn't last, which means in my mind, I win. <laughs> in my mind only, that is. Uh, but hey, good stuff. Again, you know, taking my own advice here. And if you want to get into something like that, maybe it'll inspire you. Go out there, go run it. I mean, the nice thing about autocross is they don't, it's like 40 bucks and they usually run them in like big parking lots or on airstrips. You know, it's kind of going around a course built out of cones. Now, uh, this was cool at uh, Pikes Peak International Raceway. They used the actual road course as part of the autocross course. So that was kind of different, kind of cool. But again, 40 bucks, you learn your car better than you can anywhere else. It's safe. Everyone around there is super friendly. People are willing to give advice about all sorts of things. And again, my opinion, best way to learn, cheapest way. Autocross too. I mean, it's one of the safest forms of uh, motorsport. It's the easiest to get into. You don't need a race car. There's plenty of people out there uh, in their daily drivers, you know, just, just sending it, having fun. It's actually, you know, low speed too. It's just technical low speed stuff. 
So it's easy on the car. It's easy on brakes. You're not going to usually break anything out there. So uh, very good stuff. Now, hey, speaking of uh, old Toyotas and going into new ones, one of the main topics I want to hit on today is um, Toyota, right? You know, I I like I've always been a big fan of Toyotas. Uh, My first car was a Toyota. I had a first gen forerunner, an old 80s forerunner back when they were basically just Toyota pickups. Uh, with uh, back seats bolted in and uh, love that car. Uh, of course, a big fan of uh, my A86, despite all the quirks sometimes. Um, very big fan of it. But here's the thing, you know, Toyota, I like the cars they make. I've been around tons of Toyotas. Lots of my friends have them. Uh, even the, the show open, the car sound you hear at the beginning of every show. That's a buddy of mine. That's his uh, Mark IV Supra. So, you know, I yeah, I like Toyotas. OK, and in the past on this show, I have. Uh, also talked about why, you know, I like them as a company. I like the the CEO is, a, you know, a pro motorsports guy. He's he's all for motorsports. They want to save motorsports. They want to save the internal combustion engine. Um, these are all things as a car enthusiast I love. But but that said, I am not above calling them out for kind of BS stuff uh, when it happens. I won't be blinded by my love for their cars when the company as a whole starts doing kind of questionable stuff, you know, it's it's like a good friend, right? You, you love them, but they do something dumb and you got to call them out on it. It's your duty as a friend to be like, hey, man, that was kind of stupid. So and that's what I'm doing for Toyota here, because they have announced that in their newer models, 2018 and up, you will now need a reoccurring monthly subscription in order to use the remote start feature. What? So, yeah, yeah. Toyota is basically taking a page from Netflix's book uh, by doing subscriptions. And and, you know, they're taking a page from obviously other automakers, uh, you know, as well. This isn't just Toyota that's doing this kind of thing. Lots of them are doing it. It's a a trend. And I think it's a very stupid trend uh, in the car business. And um, okay, And so the details on this, the remote start feature, you know, is you know, where you have your key fob, of course, and you push a button and it remotely starts the, the car, which is nice, especially in the wintertime. If you want to, you know, get some heat going in there before you get in the car, uh, that's all around good. And um, I will say aftermarket remote start systems are possibly the stupidest thing ever, especially when people put them in manual transmission cars. But we're not talking about the aftermarket stuff. <laughs> There's a reason the factories, by the way, don't offer remote start and manual transmission cars. It's a very dangerous reason, but it's a very good reason. Um that said, you know, with the the remote start feature is tied into Toyota's, uh, you know, re- uh, connectivity package, you could say, uh, which includes other things. It's eight bucks a month. Oh, it's only eight dollars a month. Well, the fact that it's eight dollars a month, I mean, that's not a lot of money, but that's not the point. The point is you might have just spent fifty thousand dollars on a totally kitted out, you know, Toyota TRD Pro Tacoma or a new forerunner or something. That's like 50 grand right there. That's a lot of money. And, you know, with uh, used car prices as they are even used, you might be finding nice ones for more than 50 grand, which is crazy. So you spend 50 grand on a car and then they expect you to to spend another $8 a month. What? $50,000 isn't good enough for you. You know, you want another $8 a month? Of course they do, because, you know, I mean, Sure, they're they're in the business of making money. And again, like I mentioned, this is not new to the car industry. Tesla is famous for this. You know, if you if you want their self-driving package, you got to pay extra for it after the fact. Now, granted, that's not quite a subscription, but Tesla is famous for that. Uh, Mercedes 
has also gotten into this business uh, on some of their European market cars that have a really cool feature, which is rear wheel steering, where it's able to you know, turn the wheels only by a few degrees, not as much as obviously the front wheels, uh, but it's able to turn them to help improve low speed uh, turning radius, but also high speed handling and rear wheel steering is not a new technology. I mean, Nissan was doing it on their um, their uh, Japanese market skylines, the GTRs back in the 90s. But that said, Mercedes took that feature and said, this is really cool. Obviously, they said this with the German accent, but they said this is really cool. And uh, we're going to charge more for it. And you got to pay for it every month. And if you don't pay for it every month, instead of having 10 degrees of steering in the back, you only get four. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a mechanical feature of the car being limited by a subscription service. I get when you have a car and maybe it's got a built in, you know, data hotspot, right? A, you know, 4G hotspot. So you can use Wi-Fi in there. I get that. I get a subscription for that. But when it comes to actually restricting mechanical features on a car, that's when it gets to the point of being ridiculous, in my opinion, because, you know, and, and I can relate this to, for instance, um, the video game industry. You know, maybe, you know, uh, maybe you are a you know fan of video games or you got someone in your family who is, um, you know, it's really popular for modern video games to come out, you know, kind of half finished. And then they'll say, well, if you want to play more of the game, you need to pay extra or you need to pay this subscription service or a, a battle pass or whatever, as they call it. If you want, if you want to enjoy the game more, you got to pay more and you got to do extra stuff on top of the base cost of said video game. And the problem with that is you, again, find games that come out that are you know not done yet. The developer says, ah, we're, we're, we're going to, you know, not really finish coding this. We're not going to put our best effort into it because we'll just come out with a release, uh, uh, you know, an upgrade to it later. And charge people for it. It's the same idea. When you when you bridge that over to cars, it's the same thing. And uh, you know, you 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 get cars that have honestly uh, half baked features. Um, you know, and, and I'll I'll use Tesla's autopilot system as, as an example here. It really wasn't ready to go right away. And you know, they said, well, it's not ready, but you know, we won't we won't have it in the cars yet. But, you know, we'll do it so we can, you know, upgrade the cars to it with a with an update, which from one standpoint, I get it. It's kind of cool that, you know, uh, you have this car and you can upgrade it, you know, with a, a feature digitally. And now that enables a new mechanical feature. You know, you don't have to go to the dealer to do it. It's over the air. I get that. Yeah, there's the convenience factor of that. But I think what would be more important than that convenience factor is having the feature fully fledged and fully developed at the release of the car. Okay, does that mean it's delaying the release of the car? Yeah, but when it's a safety-related feature like that, it should delay the release of the car until it's ready. I mean, that's that's just my my opinion on that there. Now, is Toyota's remote start feature anywhere near the, the levels and intricacy of, um, you know, Tesla's autopilot? Like, I get that they released it as sort of a beta. You know, that can happen. Now, this is a remote start feature. On a car. This is something that most modern cars have. They all have. But now Toyota here is saying, yeah, we need the nickel and dime you. Another eight bucks a month. And uh, I mean, there's plenty better things. Again, I get if you're buying a $50,000 car, eight bucks a month isn't much to you. But, you know, it's stupid. Still, the prince is the principle of it. And this boils down to also big tech, you could say, limiting things, right? And restricting people because they might not agree with you. Uh, for example, Let's uh, let's bash on Tesla a little more. They uh, they have been known to 
blacklist people, you know, with with um, paywalls sometimes or not even paywalls. That's not the right way to put it. But they have been known to like, say, if you get a non Tesla part, a non OEM part and you fix it and you fix it yourself, you didn't do it at the Tesla service center. You didn't have their techs do it. Um, so they have ways in certain cases to know that you have changed something, that you have modified it. And they're going to say, well, that's cool, but you don't get to have any of these cool features anymore, even if you're paying for them. But because these, this is a feature that you would pay for to enable, we can also ban you from having it outright because we don't agree that you worked on your own car. This has happened. It's well-documented. It's happened before. Um, it's even happened to, uh, oh gosh, uh, about um, a couple of years ago, there was a guy who set one of the uh, Tesla Cannonball EV records. So he did the Cannonball run, but it was an EV and uh, what he discovered after doing it, now that record has been broken by someone else since then, but what this guy discovered after doing that was that Tesla banned him from their uh, their supercharging station. So they took, you know, his car, it's probably got you know, a unique identifier, think of it like an IP address, and they said, uh, yeah, that that car, yeah, don't don't charge that. So now none of the superchargers work on that car because they disagreed with something he did with it. That is not up to a manufacturer to do at the end of the day, because at, at the end of the day, you've bought the car, right? You have purchased the car. You haven't purchased the right to merely use the car at the manufacturer's discretion. You own that car. So, yeah, I mean. Sure. You know, a company could say, we don't agree with you modifying your car or doing this. We're going to ban you from having this feature. Uh, I'm not saying Toyota is going to do that with remote start. They're not. I hope they're not that pedantic, but, you know, they could be. They're charging eight bucks a month for it after all. Right. Um, you know, but so to me, it boils down to sort of a freedom aspect of the fact that, you know, you you own this car. Why do you have to pay for a mechanical feature to be enabled? Why do you have to consistently pay? No, that means you don't own it. If you have to pay you know, monthly to keep a feature running on the car, you don't really own that car. You're just using it at Toyota's discretion. I mean, sure, legally you own that car. You have a title and your name's on that title. But really, do you own it? I mean, legally, yes, but morally speaking, no. At that point, you don't. I think, you know, you should be able to buy a car, have all the features. Now, if you didn't option, for instance, the remote start feature when you bought the car, you know, sure, it's not gonna have it because you didn't buy that. But if you bought it and it has that feature, it should continue to have that feature. So I think the automotive industry sees, you know, uh, is really much applying the business model of big tech now, you know, think Facebook and Netflix and all of these doing subscription based services and the automotive industry, of course, being in the business of making money says, yes, we should do that too. But I disagree. I think that is the wrong way to go. And of course, the, um, the only way to combat that is don't buy a new car. That's it's pretty easy to not buy a new car, especially right now, because, you know, hey, chip shortage, <laughs> buying new cars is hard. And uh, I've talked about that in great detail on previous episodes. So, hey, without, uh, you, know, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, I mean, Toyota, come on, get your stuff together. This is clearly not the right way to go about it. And uh, I do hope that someone in the aftermarket figures out a way to bypass this. Uh, I'm all for that. You know, people are like, well, you can't bypass it because you didn't pay for it. It's like, I don't care. At that point, you own the car. You can do whatever you want. That also, you know, breaks into more of um, right to repair and right to modify. You know, that's, again, a big topic in all of technology right now. So, yeah, there you go. Toyota, get your stuff together. I will continue to love and cherish my own old Toyota chassis because they are old and they are full of rust. And I am fine with that. And I and again, as a whole, I do think Toyota's doing a good 
thing when it comes to motorsports, but got to call him out on this. What, what can I say? Hey, next segment going to be uh, talking about some other really good things like a V8 Tesla. I bash on Teslas. I bashed on them a lot during this segment. Well, I'm going to talk about something really cool. That's next. And now for how things work with an engineer. Rotary engines. Regret. And that was how things work with an engineer. For more of how things work, go to patreon.com slash throttlewarrior. Here we are rocking it for the second half of the show. Matt West here, hanging out with you. I want to thank you for joining me. And of course, those car sounds courtesy again of Josh Maldonado. That time, a recording of his cousin's car, B20 Turbo, fully built. Really cool sounding awesome. His cousin, by the way, uh, Juan Feliciano. Uh, very cool car. I love it. I got, okay. I love high revving Hondas. I love high revving Hondas even more with turbos. <laughs> How cool is that? By the way, send your car sounds into the show. Uh, email me, Matt at ThrottleWarrior.com, or you can post them on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. I have a post there pinned to the top of the page and then comment below with a video of your car doing something, anything cool that makes noise, just as long as you don't get yourself arrested doing it. And by the way, as I get more of these car sounds, this is just kind of a out there thing that I'm going to do soon, but not yet. I'm going to be um, I'm thinking about giving away something like a, a gift card at random to people who uh, do send in their car sounds. So like every week I'll pick from someone who has sent their car sounds in and maybe something like a $25 AutoZone gift card or something cool. That's in the works. That is going to be, of course, backed by the Patreon as well. Uh, the Patreon does make that happen. So, of course, if you uh, would like to support that, go check it out. Now, last week I uh, talked about how the uh, driver's ed system is broken in the United States. And here's something new I just found that proves it. Yeah, it proves it. So uh, the DMV in California uh, was administering a driver's test to a new driver uh, who was driving a Tesla. Why am I talking so much about Teslas? It's almost like I like them, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's just it's coincidental here. But um, they uh, this new driver was doing their driver's ed test in a Tesla. And Tesla is kind of famous for their uh, regenerative braking system, as are a lot of electric cars now. But Tesla is really known for it. And that is where you let off the gas or what would you call it in an electric car? I don't know. But you would let off the gas. Um, and without hitting the brakes, the electric motors decelerating, creating resistance are actually going to charge the battery. But that does create a resistance and actually slows the car down, which is cool. Think of it like engine braking, you know, on um, on a regular combustion engine, you know, especially in a manual. You're in gear and you're decelerating and the engine kind of free spinning without fuel is going to act as sort of a compression brake. Um, the same idea, but the brake uh, regen, the regenerative braking on Tesla's is really aggressive. You can stop the whole car with it. Um, so this person was doing their driver's ed test and managed to do the whole test, come to complete stops, all of the above without touching the brake pedal. And they failed the test. Otherwise, having passed it with flying colors on that one thing, the driver's uh, ed instructor there failed them on their test. 
citing that they didn't use the brakes, which sounds dangerous and horrible unless you actually know how these cars work. And this just goes to prove that the system is antiquated, it is underfunded, and it is a government bureaucracy, uh, further supporting why the driver's ed system, in my opinion, is broken. Now, the good news there, uh, that person did get that decision uh, by the uh, California DMV. They did get that repealed, so they ultimately passed the test. But come on, that shouldn't be happening now. You know, that shouldn't be happening. Uh, and speaking uh, more of those Teslas, I know I hate them so much. I don't actually hate them. I actually I, I do like the cars. They're fun to drive. Um, they are cool, but I, I do like the clown on them a little bit. But no, no, there is a uh, another Tesla that is better, in my opinion, than all others because it has a V8. Yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. So uh, the YouTube channel, uh, Rich Rebuilds. He's been a big Tesla guy for a long time, uh, and he's very well known. You might have even seen the video, but what's really cool is he went to great lengths to V8 swap a Tesla Model S. Yes, you take out the electric drivetrain and put in an LS3 V8 out of a Camaro. It's cool as hell. And the uh, reason I'm talking about this now, too, you know, he's this guy, Rich, he's been, you know, posting about his build for months, but he's finally finished it. He got it done in time for SEMA just a little earlier this year. And uh, yeah, it's it's making big rounds on the Internet. It's very cool. It's very well done, too. Uh, there was another YouTuber who uh, also swapped a V8 into a Tesla for views. It was a prank YouTube channel, and they did it very haphazardly and just kind of got the engine in there and got it running, uh, you know, which whatever uh, the uh, Rich Rebuilds one. He calls it Ice-T, by the way, Ice for internal combustion engine and then T for Tesla. Ice-T, get it? Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, that that car is on a different level when it comes to actual build quality. I will say that it's not just built for YouTube clicks. Uh, very cool setup. So what he did is he took an LS3 V8 uh, and yeah, shoehorned it into a Tesla. But so what I find very fascinating about this is some of the engineering that went into this, because you have to take a car that was not meant to have an engine. It was meant to have an electric motor and a battery pack. And then you have to put an engine in it, put a transmission in it, put a rear differential in it, put all sorts of this stuff, connect it together and actually have it work. You know, you hear about engine swaps all the time these days. Ah, oh, I want a K24 swap this, uh, LS swap this, you know, a Hellcat swap a Miata, whatever. That's cool. But those are all cars that were intended from the factory to have some semblance of an engine and a transmission. Not the Tesla, which is, you know, amazing that basically this was done in a man's garage uh, with some friends and uh, they put the, the LS in there. They had to cut open the floor, weld in a transmission tunnel. They had to make all sorts of custom stuff uh, from exhaust headers, you know, have to be custom made because no one makes a, uh, you know, Tesla swap exhaust header, um, which maybe we should. Maybe that's something, you know, we should start converting these electric cars to run on gas. But um no, and uh, it is very cool, uh, and, and you know, and the, the work that goes into it and the work that went into also making it kind of look stock from the outside. You would never know this car uh, to have a V8 in it. It looks like a regular old Tesla, which is cool uh, with, you know, some some aesthetic mods. It's on uh, air ride suspension. You know, it's got some nice wheels on it. That's very cool. Um, and I think it's just the, the funniest thing to be able to say, yeah, there's this cool car. Everyone likes it. It's electric. And we put a V8 in it. That's just cool. It's a it's a very cool thing. And uh, I do want to see more of this. It makes me wonder what other hilarious things have not yet been EV or not EV swap, but uh, LS, LS swapped uh, is pretty much an LS living 
in literally anything. I think, uh, you know, how's the saying go? And in due time, all things will get an LS, you know, like by the end of the universe, all things will be LS. But now very Cool. I would totally drive a V8 swap Tesla. Also, they put in a sequential manual transmission in it, which is very cool. I, you know, sequential transmissions are um, fantastic. And uh, if I can get my hands on one of them and put it in something I have, I will be a happy person. So very cool stuff right there. Now, hey, the next uh, topic, the next segment, I'm going to be talking about the infrastructure bill. There is some new stuff on this and it's surprising. And uh, it's one of those things as car enthusiasts we should be leery of. I'll tell you about it here coming up in just a minute. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve Turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes, you, can make a difference. For as little as $5 per month, you can put an end to Project Cars suffering and support your favorite podcast. Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Donate now and receive special perks. Sponsored by Autoholics Anonymous and the Speed Council. And we are back for the third half of the show. Matt West here, hanging out with you to talk about cars. Yeah, I see. I talk about cars because, uh, you know, and I talk about it to you. Hopefully, it's mutually beneficial. My friends are sick of me talking about cars to them. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Now, that said, those car sounds you just heard are uh, courtesy of my buddy Wesley Kagan. That is his Porsche 928 European imported, too. It's not a U.S. market car. And uh, very cool sounding. It's a 928. You never expect it to sound like that. It's super choppy, super cool. Uh, And of course, uh, Wesley Kagan, as well as a uh, accomplished YouTuber, it's got 100,000 plus subscribers uh, and happy to say that he will be joining me on the show next week to talk about all sorts of fascinating things. Going to be talking about Koenigsegg uh, free valve technology and how he was able to stick that to a Miata. Yeah, that's really cool. So you want to definitely tune in next week. Going to have him on the show. That's going to be really cool. So yeah, good stuff right there. Hey, so the um, the infrastructure bill has uh, been kind of in limbo for a little bit. I talked about this in great detail probably about two months ago, right when we were starting to really hear about it. If you do want to hear that, um, tune into uh, episode five, I believe that is. Uh, scroll back through your podcast feed. It will be there um, now. And I, I promise to only talk about politics. <laughs> I make this promise to you. I will only talk about politics as it relates to cars. This is a car show. This is not a political show. My political affiliations and as well as yours and anyone else's are are pretty much irrelevant here, uh, except again, when it comes to cars and um you know, so this infrastructure bill uh, is, you know, backed by our president, and it includes far too many things to go into detail with here. And a good chunk of them aren't car related at all. They're related to all sorts of other stuff. Now, my take on it was specifically the car related thing uh, where they wanted to introduce a EV tax credit. OK, so EV tax credit. The idea is, well, give people a discount, a subsidy 
provided by the government on electric vehicles. That sounds all, you know, nice and wishful, right? You know, ooh, it's going to help the environment. They're pushing this as an environmental thing. Problem with it being is it is exclusionary. It includes uh, EVs only built by union labor in the U.S., specifically United Auto Workers unions. Um, and again, only American cars. And uh, this is this is a problem because, uh, you know, you know, those who argue for this bill saying, well, it's for the environment. We need to, you know, do stuff and the government needs to promote things to help the environment when it comes to transportation. Um, yeah, well, here's the thing. The environment doesn't care about unions one bit. I mean, if that were true, then why does the bill care about unions? Like, I mean, come on, you know, if the environment doesn't care then the bill shouldn't care either. But because the bill does clearly means that it is motivated by some other reason than what they're saying, which all you know immediately makes that sketchy, in my opinion. Now, also, uh, the update here I want to want to give you on this is um, it, it passed the Senate and it is now in Congress and it's kind of been in limbo there uh, for a while. And, uh, you know, bear in mind, this isn't something we get to vote on. As the uh, voting public, it's it's not an issue like that. It is it is one of the biggest spending bills in American history, like ever. And yet the taxpaying public doesn't get to vote on it. Eh, anyway, that's getting too political. Um, that said, uh, Canada now is threatening the U.S. with retaliation should this get passed, because what's happening is, again, the EV tax credit is exclusionary. So if you are a consumer and I'm very pro consumer choice, you should honestly be able to go buy whatever you like, which is, you know, me being a diehard gearhead. I love gas cars. I love burnouts. I love muscle cars. I love JDM cars. And I still think it should be totally up to you to go buy an EV if you want to. I should also be able to go buy a cool, you know, tuner car if I want to. Right. Um, and uh, the thing is, that again, with this being exclusionary, you would only if you wanted this EV tax credit, which could be up to twelve thousand dollars, which is substantial money, especially if you're talking, you know, about families and people who really don't have a ton of money, but they want to get into a newer car. They want to get into a safer car. They're kind of on the fence with this EV thing. But twelve thousand dollars off of the MSRP would really make it worth it for a lot of people. Right. Well, of course, if you take that same person, right, who, you know, maybe is not the best on money right now, but they need a new car for the family and you tell them, well, if you buy X, Y, Z car, if you buy this car, you'll get the tax credit because it's made, you know, by union labor, by pretty much uh, that it means just for GM and um, and Dodge uh, or Stellantis, you yeah. know. Yeah semantics there. But um, that means you're basically limited to those limited to those. If you wanted to buy an EV made by Toyota, which is still made in the US, Toyota manufactures all of its American market cars now, pretty much all of them in their plant here in the US. So that is still supporting American labor and American jobs, but you wouldn't get that tax credit. So you take that same group of people who would be on the fence about buying this car anyway and tell them, well, you could buy this one and get $12,000 off of it, or you could buy this one and you won't. Which one do you think they're going to pick? Obviously, they're going to pick the one that's $12,000 cheaper, uh, and that's going to clearly bias business towards specifically the big three uh, American manufacturers, uh, even though, again, Toyota, Subaru, pretty much all these other manufacturers now have U.S.-based manufacturing. Uh, and you know, so yeah, that's a problem there. That's not very pro consumer choice. That is an issue. Now, Canada, again, I mentioned that just a little bit ago, Canada is threatening to retaliate here, uh, in some way, shape or form, whatever that means. But they are saying that this is a problem because a lot of cars 
are made in Canada. A lot of U.S. market cars are done there. Canada has a lot of automotive uh, manufacturing uh, that it does. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, for instance, my $800 Jeep uh, Wrangler that I put a Strucker motor into, um, that was built in Canada. Of all places. Yeah, it's a, can a Canada Jeep. So and, and, you know, and Canada still builds a ton of stuff. Now, here's the, the kicker, right? If you wanted to be, you know, if you wanted to buy a, you know, Ford EV of some type, but it was made in the Canada plant, you know, for instance, uh, just using this as a hypothetical, uh, you know, or, you know, say any American car, but it was made in the Canada plant. Guess what? The EV tax credit wouldn't apply to it. It would be $12,000 more expensive. So yeah, this whole thing doesn't make any sense, honestly. And if you like cars and you like driving cars, you know, this is something that's important because at the end of the day, this is going to change the realm of used cars we have to pick from, you know, not, I get not everyone's going to be buying a new car. Um, but if this really swings the market and creates a big influx of certain cars that you know, there's tons of them around because of this tax credit that limits our options too, as secondhand buyers, as car enthusiasts wanting to pick these cars up a little cheaper, you know, a couple years used, go have fun with them, right? So that, that affects all of us, even if you're not the guy buying this car new. And now what's interesting is Elon Musk, as much as I disagree with some of the things he says, uh, also his haircut, <laughs> his haircut lately is, is very, um, disagreeable. Uh, anyway, uh, he surprisingly being, you know, uh, you know, part of Tesla, you think he would be all for this, you know, tax credit. Uh, now, granted, Tesla doesn't operate with union labor, so they wouldn't get it anyway. But if this bill were positioned that it also included non-union labor, they would be. But he said, no, we don't need it. Yeah. Surprising to hear that from him. Here's a sound clip of him saying that. Honestly, I would just can this whole bill. Don't pass it. That's my recommendation. What about the the support though for the charging network? I mean, there are there are parts of this bill. And, and no. All right, he says can it. Also, a uh, funny thing too. Later in the uh, interview, which uh, he was being interviewed by uh, the Wall Street Journal, uh, he did have this to say about additional funds in the bill being used for manufacturer R and D. All right, but oh, like, there's there's some other good things in this bill. That some would argue. I mean, the, a lot of money earmarked for R and D. Would would you want to put that towards something? No. Okay. All right. Yeah. From Elon Musk, weird haircut and all. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. It's um, th this bill is interesting. And, you know, again, wherever you stand on the political spectrum uh, is fine, you know. And I would say, you know, as, you know, a potential compromise, if this bill were to get passed, at the very least, this needs to be changed to include all things. Now, I would be of the opinion that um, this shouldn't be in there at all uh, on top of that because it is using uh, taxpayer money to fund these EV tax credits. And it's like, well, I pay tax on my cars. And if you drive a car, you also pay for this. So it's like, why would I want to pay more so other people could buy these cars and, uh, you know, undermine the cars and the things I like. It's it's very weird. Right. So uh, but it, yeah, regardless of where you stand politically, this is one of those topics that should be addressed uh, because it's very questionable. It very clearly to me seems like it's based off of lobbying from the big three auto manufacturers uh, and it's very exclusionary and exclusionary things like that limit innovation. Uh, you know, they do. Uh, you know, if you're limiting this EV tax credit to only EVs, well, what if a new technology comes out or what if a new, you know, variant of a hybrid comes out that's actually better for the environment than the EVs? 
Well, it wouldn't get the tax credit. And because it doesn't get $12,000 knocked off of it, no one's going to buy it. And then we're all going to be driving these other cars that are actually less good than this other, you know, hypothetical technology, right? So things like this um, are exclusionary. They're not consumer choice. They're not at all for car people, I will say. And they're not honestly there for people who drive cars in general, uh, which is pretty much everyone. Uh, and I mean, come on, they, they are ruining innovation for other interesting ideas by fixating on one thing and saying that that is the definitive answer. So, hey, there you go. I promise not to get any more political than that. This is a car show. This is a show about burnouts and all sorts of fun stuff. But I do think it is important every now and then to talk about these political issues as they pertain to cars. So yeah, there, there you go. So, uh, this, uh, and this bill, by the way, is going to be, um, going through a Congress now. So it's going to be up to our, uh, elected representatives there to figure that stuff out. But, uh, yeah, I want to thank you by the way, for joining me for this past half hour on the show. That's a half hour, um, that you can't get back. Unfortunately, I, I am sorry to say that, but hopefully it was good. Remember to uh, subscribe to this podcast, wherever fine podcasts and this one are downloaded. Also, uh, remember to Subscribe to notifications on whatever platform you are using. That way, when I post this episode or this this show, which I do every single week, you'll get a notification to check it out. And next week, it's going to be really exciting. My buddy and automotive madman, also automotive YouTuber, Wesley Kagan, is going to be joining me on the show to talk about some really cool things. You definitely want to tune in then. It's going to be great. And uh, I will see you next time when I go to Hazard County to perform some uh, slightly less than realistic jumps in an old Dodge. Yeah, I'll see you then. <laughs>